Well, good morning, my friends. I wish I could see each of your faces right now. I really miss being able to worship together as a church family. There is no substitute for gathering with the people of God under the word of God to sing the praises of God. And one of my earnest hopes for the future, whenever it's safe for us to assemble together again, is that we would never take the privilege of corporate worship for granted. I would much rather speak to all of you in person uh, than to most of you by video and two other folks in this room, though I'm grateful for the gift of technology. You know, I think it's so easy to take for granted the blessing of being able to sing to one another or to share the Lord's Supper together or to pray for each other in person. You, you miss a week here or there for work, illness, or vacation, and it, and it might not feel like a big deal. But two weeks goes by, four weeks goes by, and, and we really do start to realize just how much God created us to do life together, side by side. Because we experience the presence of the king in the presence of his people. Through the company of our brothers and sisters in Christ, the Lord reveals his personal love and care for us. Which is why King David said in Psalm 16.3, As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. So if this morning, wherever you are, wherever you're listening, you're thinking, I really miss being with the church. I just want you to know at the beginning, that is a good thing. And we're going to be able to gather again one day. It has been quite a 10-day stretch, though. Suffice it to say, uh, last Thursday, we were still preparing to meet on Sunday morning, albeit with some health precautions, and now we're navigating a situation as a congregation where we have no idea how long we'll be apart. And as hard as that is, I know it's the right decision. And in that regard, let me say at the outset, I am deeply grateful for the wisdom and authority that the Lord has given um, our, all our governing officials, but especially the folks that serve our community in a public health capacity. Uh, many of you know our brother Alex Samuel, uh, director of the Chesterfield Health District. Alex, I don't know if you're able to tune into this live stream today, but brother, I want you to know that we thank God for you and we are praying for you as a congregation. I also ask all of you to honor the guidance and recommendations uh, coming from our leaders right now regarding social distancing. As Christians, we have no reason to fear death. Praise God for that. But the Lord also calls us to submit to the governing authorities that he has established. And in this case, some of the social distancing guidance and requests that they're bringing to us, it really is a very practical way that we love our neighbors and honor the sanctity of human life. So church, you might feel like you're young, you're fine, you're, you're invincible. If you get sick, big deal. But many people will not be fine if they get sick. So I encourage all of you uh, to be careful to walk in humility and to consider the needs of others more important than your own. I also want to give a quick shout out to all of the kids listening in this morning. I don't have any in the room here, but I know many of you are watching. Uh, You typically don't get to hear me preach because you're in King's Kids, but I want you guys to know that I love you, that I'm praying for you, and that I'm aware as a dad uh, that sudden changes in your weekly routine can be unsettling. And one of my goals in bringing some shorter messages from the Psalms is to care for you and not just your mom or dad. 
So no matter what's going on around you, if you're a child, a kid listening, just give us your attention. It's no longer than a typical movie you might watch while your mom prepares dinner. And I'm excited for how the Lord's going to care for you too. Uh, For those of you who are watching as families or with a roommate, uh, take a few minutes after I finished preaching this morning to to talk with someone else about what most encouraged you from God's word, to share where you sense your need for God's help right now, and to pray for one another. We're, We're in this together, young and old alike. On a church front, our elders and deacons are doing our best job uh, to make contact with every member of our congregation over the next couple weeks, just to hear how you're doing and find out how we can serve you or pray for you. But, but please don't hesitate to reach out on your own between now and then. Think of it this way. Social distancing is good and right in a physical sense. Relational isolation is not under any circumstances. Uh, so if you haven't already, check out some of the resources that we posted on the COVID-19 section of our website. Uh, There are a lot of practical suggestions there for how we can stay connected as a church family, um, how we can continue to financially support the gospel ministry God's called us to as a congregation, and how to get in contact immediately with our church leaders if you or someone in your family gets sick. So thanks for watching this morning. I want to invite uh, my brother Chris DeLoglos, one of the pastors here, to come now and lead us in a prayer of intercession before we turn our attention to the preaching of God's word. Well, good morning, friends. Uh, I, with Matthew, wish that we were together, um, and I miss being with you all, but um, I am grateful that we serve a God who is a spirit, and we know that God, by his promise, is with us through his spirit And as we come together, we can pray to God and he hears us. So would you please join me now in prayer? Well, Father, we come together, first of all, giving thanks to you who are awesome, who are powerful, you who are unchanging, you who are filled with mercy and grace to those who believe and trust you. Thank you that we come to a father who knows us and who loves us. But father, as we come, we come acknowledging our need, our frailty, our weakness. And like the psalmist, we pray, be gracious to us, Lord, and look upon our need. And Father, as we pray, we do ask that you would bring an end to this pandemic and to the effect of this virus. Father, we ask that you would give wisdom, that you would give strength, that you would give grace to the health care providers, to public health leaders, to first responders, to who are many on the front lines. Lord, give grace, give strength, give wisdom. Father, we pray that you would give wisdom to our president, to our governor, to their cabinets, and to all the civic leaders who are involved in managing, making decisions that affect us, that affect this country, and in many ways affect the world as relates to this. Father, we look for your wisdom. 
Father, we pray also for Christian ministries that are affected by this. What comes to mind are some of our friends overseas, Andy and Andrea Baker, Word Made Flesh, Josh and Lisa Kruger. Father, we pray as well for new church plants in Santa Cruz, Bolivia with Jorge and David, with the church plant in Wilmington. Father, we also pray for the ministry of Teen Pact. Father, give grace, give provision, we ask. And I pray, Father, that you would give strength to their witness. Father, we pray as well for our witness as your people. I pray, Father, that you would make our lives resonate most loudly, that we are God-sufficient, and therefore we are hopeful. Father, you transcend all earthly powers and all earthly peril. And you have overcome our greatest enemy and problem, which was the sin that separated us from you. And so we give you thanks. And we ask, Father, that you would keep our minds, keep our hearts focused and stayed upon you, that you and your truths and your plans would remain in our minds as unchanging. Lord, everything else changes. You don't change. Your power, your plans remain. And so again, Father, we say with the psalmist, I will trust in the Lord. I will rejoice and be glad in your loving kindness. Because you have seen my affliction. You've known the troubles of my soul. You've not given me over to the hand of the enemy. And so, Father, we look to you, and for all these things, we acknowledge and declare our trust and our hope is in you. Thank you, Father. Amen. Well, if you have a Bible, you can open it to Psalm 93. This is one of the shortest psalms in the Psalter. Again, all the kids listening can rejoice and be glad in that. Uh, I also believe it tells us exactly what we need to hear as we navigate some, some seriously uncharted territory, both as a church and as a nation. Hear the word of the Lord from Psalm 93. The Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed. He has put on strength as his belt. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. Your throne is established from of old. You are from everlasting. The floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their roaring. Mightier than the thunders of many waters, mightier than the waves of the sea, the Lord on high is mighty. Your decrees are very trustworthy, and holiness befits your house, O Lord, forevermore. 
Father, we pray right now that you would take your word and use it no matter where we are, no matter what's going on around us, no matter how many other distractions are in the room or calling on our smartphone. Take your word, Lord, and seal it on our hearts, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I realize there are, there are many reasons that you might be fearful or anxious right now. Uh, you could get sick. You could be out of a job. You might be worried about your spouse working in a hospital, your elderly parents in a nursing home. You might be thinking, how am I going to survive another week at home with my kids and nowhere else to go? <laughs> There, there are all kinds of reasons you might be afraid or anxious. And yet at the same time, church, there are better reasons to trust the Lord. And that's why I love the Psalms. In, in so many words, they, they tell us over and over and over again, Psalm after Psalm, fear not, you have better reasons to trust the Lord. And Psalm 93 reminds us of one of the most important of the bunch We trust the Lord because he is the king of all creation. And in these five verses, I think we discover two implications of his sovereign rule and how we should respond as his people. So very simple, two implications, one response. Here we go. Implication number one, the world is never out of control because God is always in control. Look at verse 1, if you have your Bible with you. This is where we, we too have to begin in situations both expected and unexpected. And let me remind you that viral pandemics are not an exception to this rule. Verse 1, the Lord reigns. I want you to think about that. Right now, what's it feel like, church? It feels like The coronavirus is reigning, radically altering our daily lives, sending the stock market into turmoil, shutting down the world economy, and and leaving many of us feeling rather powerless. So pick your favorite news channel. A a viral genome in a protein shell (laughs) appears to be calling all the shots. And everyone else, including pastors like me, doing things on live stream I've never done before, is scrambling to catch up and cope with the fallout. And it's in moments like that, friends, that we really need to turn to God's word. Because we need to remember that the coronavirus isn't king. The Lord, Yahweh, he's the king. He doesn't just exist. He isn't just aware. He isn't rolling with the punches or or frantically figuring out how to work all of this for our good. Okay, his personal and absolute authority over every atom in the entire universe remains supreme. And his kingdom, his redemptive rule over his blood-bought people remains secure. So, So think about this this morning. No matter how hard your week's been, at no point... In recorded history, has God ever once needed a contingency plan or dealt with something unexpected? Never. 
He was in control before this outbreak. He's in control in the midst of this outbreak. He's going to remain in control when all of this is a distant memory. And the images in verses 1 and 2, look there again, tell us just how comprehensive his reign really is. You know, because I can't see more than two of you right now, I have no idea what most of you are clothed in. I don't know what you're robed in. I have a sneaking suspicion that some of you are still in your pajamas and will never tell me about it. And that's okay. It's fine by me because you're not a king. You're not sitting on a throne. You're probably sitting on your couch. What are the kings of the earth robed in? Well, if you've ever seen a a picture or a video of a, a royal coronation, they're robed in costly material. They're robed in rare furs or precious metals. But look at verse 1. What is the king of all creation clothed in? What's he robed in? He's robed in majesty. Think about that. He's, He's enveloped in it, blinding glory, shattering splendor, unapproachable light, That's the outfit God wears every morning. So what do we do? You know, we put on belts of cloth or or leather. What's the Lord put on? What's he wear? A belt of strength. Garments of strength and majesty have always been what God wears. Why? Verse 2. Because his throne is established from of old. There's never been a time when God was not in control of all things. And there will never be. Why not? Because it's who he is. Think about this. His throne is established from of old. Look back at verse 2. Because he is from everlasting. In other words, the eternal identity of his person guarantees the eternal nature of his reign. God can no more cease to exist than he can cease to rule all things. It's what it means to be God. So what does that mean for us? On a week like this, in the world we inhabit, what's the implication? We'll look back at the end of verse 1. Because the throne of God, his supreme rule and authority over all things, is eternally established, what else is established? Think about it. What, What else is not subject? to the whims of fate or viral genomes. What else is never out of control, even when it feels completely chaotic? Yes, the world is established. Your world, friend, my world. The world is established. It shall never be moved. Think about that. Because the throne of God is established, The world he created is established. God's throne can no more cease to be established than the world he created could cease to be under his control. And that doesn't mean that that we're not going to feel moved or threatened or shaken. I've, I've felt all those things this week. 
And the last couple days have probably provided plenty of opportunities for, for you to feel them as well. But it does mean, friend, that no matter what happens with this virus, please hear this, the world is not out of control because it is firmly under God's control. That's implication one. Implication two, the strongest forces of nature are no match for the power of God. You know, in conversation with friends or neighbors, we, we value things like honesty, don't we? Well, I love the way the book of Psalms from start to finish is radically honest. Psalm 93 doesn't stop after verse 2 with what is true at a, a high level about our king and the world we live in. He's always in control, but the psalmist recognizes it doesn't always feel that way, Right? There are countless situations in life, viral pandemics included, when it feels like another power is greater, another power is stronger, another power is is more decisive. If you're a marionette, it feels like something other than God is holding the strings and just doing with you and your family and your life whatever it wants to do. You know, one of the strongest powers in the natural world is water. We don't think about that very often, do we? You you freeze water into a glacier, and what does it do? It moves rocks the size of houses. When it's overflowing a riverbank, what's water do? It, It breaks trees like toothpicks. Or when it's just steadily eroding a cliff, the ocean crashing into the side of the shore, it brings million dollar homes crashing to the ground. And the psalmist chooses two water images in verse 3 and verse 4 as symbols of the destructive power of nature. Look there, the floods and the waves of the sea. What does he say? The floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their roaring. Floods are relentless, aren't they? That the very repetition of that word, lifted up, lift up, lifted up, rising up, it just captures what they feel like. Floods don't play nice. They're not a respecter of persons. They don't behave or follow rules or do what we want. They do whatever they want, wherever they want to do it. And I think the coronavirus can feel like that. It's relentless. It's spreading and growing. And whenever you turn on the news, it's there. When you pick up your smartphone for the 10th time in as many hours, I don't recommend you do that, but it's still there. When you you lie down in bed at night, it's it's lurking in the background. When, When you wake up in the morning and you think, oh, it's a normal, no, it's not a normal day. It's still there, harming and and confining and killing and effectively immobilizing the most powerful nations in the world. It's like a flood. I don't know if you've ever heard water thunder or felt the might of the waves of the sea, but I was thinking this week, meditating on this psalm of uh, some time I spent on the west coast of New Zealand where there's a place called Pancake Rocks where the cumulative force of the surf pouring into these cracks in the cliff beneath your feet. So you're standing on the cliff, the waves are coming 
into the cliff under your feet and then spouting up in a plume behind you. And when they do that, it creates this tremendous sonic boom. And I can still remember the shockwaves in my chest and, and my gratitude that somebody in New Zealand had the wisdom to give me a handrail to hold on to. You know, I think of the time I went out in the surf on the Outer Banks with a boogie board as a thunderstorm was approaching. I do not recommend doing that. And, and I got slammed into the sand by a wave that wasn't even 10 feet tall. You know, the Smithsonian Magazine recently reported some of the biggest waves in recorded history. I, I'm just always drawn to biggest waves, most expensive cars, but listen to this. An earthquake followed by a landslide. In 1958, in Alaska's Latuya Bay, generated a wave 100 feet high. The tallest tsunami ever documented. And when the wave ran ashore, it snapped trees 1,700 feet up the side of the cliff. What's that remind us of? That, that water is really powerful. It, it crushes ships. It, it devastates cities. Few things represent the destructive power of the natural world better than a flood or the waves of the sea. But what does verse 4 tell us as we think about that? Mightier than the thunders of many waters. Mightier than the waves of the sea, the Lord on high is mighty. You have this parallel between the threefold lifting up of the flood in verse 3 and the threefold declaration of the power of God in verse 4 that is completely intentional, not accidental. Friends, the strongest forces of nature are no match for the power of God. And the coronavirus isn't an exception to that. So no matter what it does to our city, no matter what it does to your life or to your family or to our economy or how it affects you, know this, the power that virus wields is great. But the power of God is infinitely greater. Why? Because at God's command, waves go silent. Outbreaks cease. The sick are healed. And little girls and, and dead men rise from the grave. There's no might. There's no power in the universe, friend, that exceeds the power of God. You, you can pick the most intimidating force in the world. Imagine this coronavirus was a hundred times more lethal. God is still greater. So how do we respond to all this? If the world is never out of control, because God is always in control, implication one, and if the strongest forces of nature are no match for the power of God, implication two, well then what does that mean for us? What's that mean this week when we're all kind of on lockdown in different ways? What difference should that make for the way that you respond to the the concerns that are in your heart today or the anxieties that, that might ambush you when you wake up tomorrow. Well, here's our response. Look at verse five. The word of God is worthy of obedient trust. That's the response. The word of God is worthy of obedient trust. 
Keep your eyes on verse 5. What's it say? Your decrees are very trustworthy. And holiness befits your house, O Lord. When I was reading it this week, at first I thought, that kind of feels like a hanging chat at the end of this psalm. I mean, we're talking about this authority of God and power of God over creation. What's up with pivoting to the doctrine of Scripture, to the trustworthiness of, of the Bible, of God's written decrees, and of the need for us to pursue holiness as a church, the house of God? Well, I think this is the connection, friends. Listen carefully. If God is always in control, and if the strongest forces in the universe are no match for his power, then what makes all the sense in the world? What makes all the sense in the world is believing that God is able to do what he has said he will do. <laughs> That's what makes all the sense in the world. Why? Because the promises that he makes to us in his word, given who he is, promises to guard, to protect, to sustain, to comfort, to provide for his children. Because of everything we've just read in verses 1 to 4, the promises in God's word are not divine hopes or futile wishes. They're locked down guarantees because you can't find a power in the world that can stop almighty God from doing what he said he will do. It's not even a contest to to say his decrees are very trustworthy is almost an understatement. It's more like they are the one thing, the only thing that is ever perfectly trustworthy. And I want to remind you friends that it's those very words, his words, that you hold in your hands in the pages of your Bible right now and every morning and every night. So devote yourself this week and all the more in the weeks to come to reading them and to studying them and to to meditating on them and obeying them because they are completely trustworthy. Think about it. The, The authority and power of God doesn't just exist out there in space like some kind of abstract concept that that Christians find comfort in no matter what's going on down here with real life. No. No, the authority and power of God sends us running to the pages of his word because we know his supreme authority and unrivaled power render these words very, very trustworthy. And so I'm just going to go ahead and assume a lot of you suddenly have more discretionary time in the daily rhythms of your life. I want you to take advantage of that, friend. Not not just to read God's word, but but to ask the Lord over the next few weeks, where can you grow in becoming more like him? You know, as as the king of creation, look back at verse 5. It's not just his, his word that's worthy of your trust. His person, his majesty, is worthy of your obedience. He's not just the king of creation in general. He's our king. He's your king. That's why the psalmist talks about the need for holiness. You know, I, I, I'll go ahead and venture to just assume something here. I think the longer we're separated... Physically, the longer this necessary social distancing goes on, 
I think the harder it's going to become to keep fighting for holiness, church. And the reason for that is, is simply because the, the personal gathering of the people of God under the word of God to sing the praises of God is a precious means of grace. It gives us strength for the fight. Maybe even this week, because we didn't meet last Sunday, you felt like, man, why, why is it harder for me to be patient? Why is it harder for me to trust God? Why? Well, perhaps it could be because we didn't experience the grace of the gathered worship of the people of God. And to the degree that frightens you or, or discourages you, I want you to remember this until we can gather again. Though the church may not be with us or with you, the Holy Spirit is always with his people. Always. The, the one, think about this, who is mightier than the waves of the sea, he dwells in you, Christian. He's with you. He'll, he'll help you. He'll empower you. Holiness befits your house. And he has graciously given you, as a Christian, his spirit to lead you in the same. And so I encourage you this week, when you're weary, trust him. When anxiety is, is knocking at the door of your heart, trust him. When you're tempted to give into sin because you feel lonely and, and you feel disoriented and you're just desperate for something that will make you feel good, trust the Lord. Run to the Lord. When you feel like you're going nuts because you're stuck at home, trust the Lord. The holy God has promised to make you holy. He doesn't just say holiness befits your house, best of luck. He promises to complete the good work that he began in you. Why? Because his decrees and commands and his promises and his desires and everything the Lord seeks after and pursues is very trustworthy. To conclude, I remind you that ultimately the Lord proved the trustworthiness of his word. His faithfulness to do what he has said he will do when he laid down his life for us on the cross. That there is no greater demonstration of the Lord's commitment to keep his promises to you. And so when you're tempted to waver in fear this week, what do you do? How will you respond if a reporter sticks a microphone in front of your face and says, what would you say to all the Americans who are really frightened right now? Well, the answer from God's word is, is very clear. We look to the cross of Christ. That's what we do. Because it's the final and definitive monument to the faithfulness of God. Because there, the king of kings, the one who controls all things, whose power is supreme. What did he do there, friend? He conquered the greatest enemy of all, sin and death. There's not a flood in the universe or a wave in the sea that is more deadly than sin and death. And what did our king do for us, Christian? He conquered that enemy so that we could trust him when we look at every other enemy that in the end, Jesus wins. So fear not this week. You can trust the Lord. He's the good and faithful king of creation 
and he is perfectly able to keep you too. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so glad that when our little finite world blows up and every day at one and the same time feels both completely normal and completely not normal. And just even that contrast between, well, this hasn't changed, but all these things have is, is disorienting and hard and confusing and, and we get afraid or we go numb. We pray that you would use your word this week and you would comfort us and help us to trust you by reminding us that when we have reasons to fear, we have better reasons to trust the Lord. Thank you for the way your word is honest about things like floods and mighty waves and destructive power in the world, viruses included. Thank you that your word reminds us that you are mightier in every situation. Thanks for encouraging our hearts this morning, Lord. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, in closing, I, I want to give you very specific encouragement. Um, if you go and check on our website, we have a COVID-19 section on kingsway.cc. I've written and posted a corporate devotional for us this week that's just going to walk us through the book of Lamentations over five days. So you don't have to do that if you have another plan. Uh, but if you want some help and guidance in continuing to meditate on the better reasons we have to trust the Lord, and how to even talk to God when we're afraid and feel like freaking out and, and hard things are happening. I encourage you to check it out. Until we get to speak again, may the Lord bless and keep you. May his face shine upon you and give you peace. I love you. Have a great day.